Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. This is Braden Hafner here again with my co-host, Matt Klein. Thanks for checking in again with us. Today, we're really excited to have a wonderful couple here This is something that we're excited because we love stories. Story is such an integral part of how we learn and how we grow and and help the man and I hearing other people's stories. But sharing story is such an important part because we get to enter into the journey knowing that there's people that have gone before us that have experienced what it means to get porn out of our lives. And today we have Al and Val. They are staff with Family Life Canada, so they're near and dear to me as well. So thanks, guys, for being here with us today. We're going to get going on this, and we just want to learn a little bit more about yourselves and journey that you've been on. Why don't you just share a little bit about who you are as a couple and maybe how you met and just break down a little bit of the details of who you guys are. Sure, sounds good. Thank you for inviting us to be here. It's it's a, certainly a blessing for us. So uh, we are a blended family. We met after our first marriages had uh, dissolved, not by either of our choices. Our, our previous uh, mates, uh, spouses decided to, uh, to end the relationship one way or the other. And we weren't really looking for a long-term relationship to replace the previous marriage. We were looking for companionship and friendship, but I think, you know, we agreed that uh, right from the get-go after our first date, you know, there was definitely a connection there. And I remember Val saying to me, I forget if it was our first date or our second date, almost a warning, like, (laughs) hey, it looks like, you know, if we're going to be together more seriously in a more serious relationship going forward, and I think we are, I was just (laughs) jumping for joy, (laughs) Uh, you know, we're probably going to have to have a a good serious talk first. And that kind of led to 
our second or third date where we said, okay, 10 questions. You ask me 10 questions, I'll ask you 10, any 10 questions you want. Yeah. So basically it was our opportunity to see what have we learned from our previous relationship to get to know one another a little bit and also to uh, give the opportunity for every truth to come out at that point. Yeah. In time. So yeah. I was pretty raw. I told them all mm-hmm. my baggage. Uh, I've been raped. I've been abused. I've been, you know, in very difficult circumstances. So it was very hard to trust another man. And uh, I needed him to know that I needed him to understand where he was, what he was getting himself into as a woman mm-hmm. uh, for me and how he need to protect, my, you know, me as a person. So it was quite interesting. Mm. So and we'll probably get into this a little bit later. Obviously, one of the failings uh, that I had, well, obvious to us in that conversation was that I wasn't thinking of porn or sexual addiction as a problem in my life at that time. And it wasn't even something that entered my mind. And looking back now, you know, after what we've been through, it was a horrible thing to exclude. It was it was absolutely not right to exclude that. And, you know, I think denial is a large part of um, those of us who are addicted uh, to anything kind of experience. And well, no, it's not a problem. Oh, I'm in control. Oh, everybody does it kind of thing. Yeah. So, so when Val asked you those 10 questions, porn just didn't even come up in the conversation. Hey, not at all. Not at all. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like you say, Val, to get everything out in the open. I mean, you feel free because you also feel like, Hey, this person knows me and now I can be in a relationship with them if they're taking me for who I am. Right. But on the other side, when we do have those secrets and we don't um, open up fully, I mean, the other person is getting into a relationship with someone that they don't fully know. And then we're keeping secrets. It's just not good for our for our souls, for our relationships, really, for any part. And we've seen that in a lot of stories. But for you guys, it came out eventually that you you did have pornography in your life. So what did that look like in your relationship as you move forward? So basically, well, I mean, so we moved in in time uh, with the kids and we just led our lives. And several times I there's definitely something that was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it. I kept on asking Al, who are you married to? Are you actually married to me? And uh, so I repeated that question a lot. There was no real good answer to that. And so anyways, in time, I went to a trip in El Salvador um, back in 2018 to uh, work in the with, with other missionaries in the mountains. And that time, the Lord just really pressed on my heart, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. You really need to confront Al about this. Wow. Confront Al about what? And and the Lord just said, you know, impressed on me, you know, you know, and you stop. You have to stop repressing it. So I... And you, sorry to interrupt, you were having like major dreams. Oh, major well. dreams. Yeah, it was insane. I could not sleep. I was getting insomnia because every day and when I returned, I was going back to work to my normal routine. I was ignoring it. And then two weeks later, it's like, okay, I told the Lord, that's it. I give up. I give up. As soon as Al comes in tonight from work, I will ask him. And I just prayed to the Lord to give me the calmness that I needed to have in order to be well with Al, to give him the opportunity to fess up without attacking him. It was Mm -hmm. not going to be an attacking mode. The Holy Spirit was with me and he gave me the calmness that I needed. So I needed to keep that calm within that conversation and not do any attacking. Mm -hmm. Right. And so break that conversation down for us. You know, what were you going, what was going through your mind, Val, when you asked this and what were you expecting? And then for you, Al, like what was, what was happening for you in that moment when this kind of a bombshell of a question just came out of left field? 
Well, that that's exactly it. I I wasn't prepared for it at all because normally when we would have serious talks and when I knew she was upset about something, it would be broadcast loud and clear beforehand. And I know, right. okay, you know, it's like, honey, we have to talk kind of thing, right? It wasn't like that. It was it was just like we were sitting down to watch TV and and you know, just having a normal conversation. And so it, it really blindsided me. And and I think I think that was good, to be honest, because I didn't have a chance to prepare my usual defense, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right? Okay, well, how do I get out of this one? How do I lie my way out of this one? How do I deny that there's a problem going on here? And and basically, you know, betray the trust to Val that she so rightly deserved. So um, I think that, you know, that again, just not really expecting that conversation to happen. Uh, I think that really helped for me to realize, yeah, there's don't skate around this one. Al. don't hide on this one. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the spirit was so good. I mean, you know, you just pray. And I, I really relied really not on my own strength at that point in time, because I was beyond myself. And I knew what the answer was going to be. I was not a fool to, to think otherwise. So it was just a matter of come sit down on the couch. I have a question to ask you. And I did say, I said, the spirit is really leading me to ask you this question. And I really want you to be truthful about it. Can you do that? And, and he said, yes, I can. And so I asked, have you been watching porn? And yep, yeah, and he did not deny it at that point. And I think that's probably why uh, I was led to do it suddenly like that without really prompting and just doing it calmly because it did catch him off guard. So he didn't have time to plan. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was no more planning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny, sometimes people say that the Holy Spirit's voice often sounds like our wives, hey? <laughs> I think in that, I think in that moment, that's probably what it was for Al. Oh, this is God speaking through her. <laughs> but, but seriously, I think that's incredible that you point that out and that the spirit was with you because so often it's hard for spouses, for wives in particular, when they find out their husband or they're, you know, suspecting their husband is engaged with porn because they take it as a denial of them, of their marriage or betrayal. And so they just get mad and defensive and start to start being angry. And I think it's incredible for you to share how you approached Al and then how Al took that because that's something that a lot of wives can learn from and they can, can, can see like, oh, if I can be close to the Lord and be speaking and communicating to my husband in the way that God wants me to or in, or in the way that God would with gentleness and for concern for my spouse, I think that is a really powerful thing in bringing truth to light. So that's awesome that you did that, Val. And then moving forward from there, from your perspective, now your husband has come out and confessed that pornography is still in his life. How did you handle that and, and be a support to him moving forward? Well, so initially, I mean, when I found out, it was not a surprise, but it was still a shock, right? You, you really don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, so when now he's speaking about it, that's a different, now everything changes. Reality now changes. Now I, I can't pinch myself any longer. I have to deal with this. And uh, basically, I was pretty upset. But when I found out how long he'd been watching porn, now that tore me to shreds. When I found out that his addiction started prior to us being together, he never took the opportunity to actually speak about it during those 10 question time of truth. Yeah. And then when I found out like the frequency and and that, and I was broken, I was really, really broken. 
And at that point, I really, really, really wanted to have a divorce because I initially didn't want to be back in another relationship. Al, when Al and I met initially, it's like, I'm just seeking friendship. No serious relationship. I mean, it developed into more, but that was not the intention. Because of my past, because of the abuse, I was okay to just remain friends. Mm. And then when I heard that, so I felt very, very deceived, lying. Now, who is this man? I don't really know him without porn. I don't know mm. who this man is. So it's like I, I thought I had married a fraud. And how do you overcome that? So I wanted a divorce. I wanted to separate. I was not that I, I was screaming, I was crying, but I was calm because the Holy Spirit was with me. I was praying through it all, you know, not allowing my feelings to take over. I was allowing Christ to speak through me and not getting too immersed in my own self. So at first, it's like, no, I need a bit of time, you know, to just think, th think this through, go into reality. And uh, but the Lord really pressed on me that I needed to be obedient if I trusted him. He pointed a couple of things out. One, he's my brother in Christ first. He's not my spouse first. Right. So I need to see him through that lens. His relationship with Christ is the, the priority. After that, he's my spouse. So I need to help him in his a relationship with Christ to become pure and to become as, as you know, as Christ-like as possible. Now, if I attack him, well, that's not going to help him in that way. So I really need to have a lot of self-control. And it's only by the Holy Spirit that I was able to get that. Honestly, I felt as if I was bubble wrapped in a, in a cloud of, of peace for the first month. I was just conversing constantly with the Lord. And I'm not, I wasn't allowing my feelings to take over yeah, otherwise than that, I would have lost it. I was allowing, you know, just the Lord to speak and I was being obedient to do whatever he was calling me to do, which was to remain. Mm, wow. That's so powerful because you have the challenge of facing the emotion that you feel, the, the betrayal that you feel as well to a certain degree and, and what you do with that in that moment and to be able to make the choice to, to love Al and to obey what you felt God was calling you to do such a testament to what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, because we always have to choose to do these things instead of act out of a feeling. Yeah. And so that's really powerful. And we, we learn that in family life, right? It's, it's more than just a feeling, and especially in our marriages, and that builds into a greater love. Now, for you, Al, when this was all happening, you confessed, and you saw the, the kind of the devastation that this confession had to a certain degree, even though there was great peace in this too for Val. What was your next response to this? Like, what was the journey for you once this this happened? So that evening, when when she asked me that question, I confess she actually had a meeting to go to for other ministry work, and I immediately, when she left, I did my research on accountability software and hardware, and I believe that same night I had uh, ordered a subscription from uh, Ever Accountable to put on our personal home devices. And it wasn't perfect, like it wasn't, it didn't block everything at first, but I was so convicted to start making amends, start putting up guardrails, start doing things right, knowing that, okay, I do have a problem and, and I need some help. Where do I start? And so that, that, was, that was the very first step to try to give Val some kind of assurance, A, that I was serious about recovery. I was serious about making amends. I was serious about changing and repenting, getting rid of that 
that cancer in our marriage and in, in my life. And it was just like the, the first logical thing to do. And I think uh, shortly thereafter, we ended up getting a hardware device that uh, kind of plugged the rest of the holes as well. Basically, we've got a fortified home. There's you know, porn cannot enter this this home anymore. And yeah. I'll be honest, I, I needed that because I, you know, it was like going cold turkey. And like any addict, my my brain um, is like I'm sure you guys have talked to before on these podcasts. It physically changes, and the pathways that are burned in that rely on the you have that limbic response to stress and and to adversity and to pressure. You know the the go to of porn to get that that high and to just kind of you know for a few seconds you know escape kind of thing. I, I knew that was a very powerful thing that uh, that had to be overcome. Now, all that is to say, I'm not saying that my salvation lay in any software or hardware. It really lay in how God was convicting me and, and the power that he gave me to say, Al, it's it's time. It's time to turn this around. You know, no more denial, no more hiding this, no more double life. I was a worship leader. At, at my church, I was on, I was a director on the committee for the building of the, of the new church on, on the new uh, land that we possessed. I was chairman of the board for that same committee uh, the year after. We led, mm-hmm. we still do, lead the marriage ministry at, at the church you know, ironic or as, you know, yeah. maybe ironic's not the word, a worse word than that. And so God said, you know, no, no more double life for you. No more two-faced living for you, Al. And, and you have to honor your wife and you have to honor me. And do you remember how you felt when you just decided, okay, like this is me. This is everything about me. I got everything out. No more secrets. Did you feel free or lighter? Did you remember, do you remember how you felt? I'd like to say I, I felt free. I, I did feel lighter. I did feel a burden get lifted. I also felt the weight of what the journey was going to be like. I, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy one. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't know what life was going to be like with Val. I, I, I didn't know if we were going to separate and divorce. I mean, she, like she said several times, she said, I don't want to be married to you. I just don't want to be married to you anymore. And I, I couldn't blame her at all yeah. because of how I betrayed her, how I hurt her. My addiction started a long, long time ago, like for a lot of guys, probably when I was about 11, 11 or 12, something like that, when I was first exposed to it. And, you know, I, as, as they put it in the, in the pure desire workshops that I went through to, to, to help me get on the road to recovery, you know, I had my, my wax and lax, you know, the things that really hit me, like my dad and my mom getting divorced and my dad moving away to the Philippines, no more contact with him. I was really close with him, lacking that father presence and, you know, role model uh, throughout pretty much most of my childhood. Uh, I'm not making excuses. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I blame everything on my father or on the bad circumstances I had. I blame it on my decisions, my free will to go a certain way. I guess what I'm trying to say is because I was in bondage for so long, I knew that it was going to be a really hard road back. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. It's amazing that you went through that road and that both of you went through that road. You you, uh, stuck it out and now you're now you're living in freedom and you obviously stayed together and it's incredible. You guys are both inspiring. You're going through your own journey. You know, I was thinking, Val, when you were chatting, 
a lot of wives, there's been research done on this, they suffer some PTSD when they find out that, that their spouse, that their husband has been watching pornography and they didn't know. And every time it comes up again and again and again, they suffer PTSD all over again and it kind of gets worse and worse over time. But to go along with that, when there's been betrayal and secrecy for so long, it's often worse. And it's like you said, like you don't even know who you were married to. And that's part of part of just being open in a relationship at the start, then you can know. But when you've gone, I don't know how many years it was, but when it's say five, 10 years and there's been secrets, it's so much worse, right? And so being that there's, you know, these studies where there's PTSD in wise brains, um, you mentioned that you, there's been abuse in your past. What does your journey to healing look like personally? Because you, you were a great support to Al, but you had to obviously go through your own healing as well. Yeah, it. I mean, I've been blessed enough that because of the abuse I've I've had in the past, that I've went through about ten years of therapy to get through that. So I know what it is to self-analyze myself. I know what it is to uh, differentiate between my feelings and and the truth, and to kind of sort of make that differentiation so I don't get too overwhelmed with that. So because I've had gone through other traumas before, yeah, I do definitely suffer from uh, PTSD for sure. And uh, but I know how to handle it. You know, so there's one thing being physically abused, sexually abused and emotionally abused or lied. So to me, it was a hit. It was with years of my life that I had invested in. It was not a physical hit or or anything of sort. So it was just with, again, with the Spirit. That's all I can say. Again, with the Holy Spirit and really leaning into the Lord for His healing, for His peace, for His support. Because I, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. So I didn't seek any support whatsoever outside of that. I was trying to protect Al in the church because of all the responsibilities he had in the church. I was afraid to tarnish him and his reputation because I still believed he was a good man. And the Lord told me, protect your husband. Okay. So I didn't say a thing. I just kept it in and I would pray, pray, pray. I would fall on my knees in the morning and cry. And I would leave it all at the cross every morning and say, Lord, I can't handle this, but you can. And you've already handled this for me. You were already knew ahead of me. I was angry at the Lord at first. It's like, why Lord? Like you knew I wouldn't marry again if there was an addiction in the relationship. Why Lord? And I was angry. And good chance the Lord's got good heavy shoulders. He's got big uh, yeah. shoulders. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, it was all about, I needed to grow too. I needed to learn how to trust another man. I, you know, Al is a very soft and gentle man. So when I remove the addiction out of that, the addiction is not who he is. It's part of the, you know, one of the crutches he was holding on to in order to get through life. I've had my own crutches. I, you know, so I understood that crutch that he was having, even though I didn't like it. I was able to really get through it because of one of past, you know, help that I've had. So I, I know how to deal with it. And really and truly, it's just based on leaving it at the cross every morning, every wow. day. And every day I would repeat to myself, through Christ, all things are possible. I love it. Good for you. Wow, that's powerful. One of the things that Matt and I, we've, we've talked a lot with 
individuals as well. And, and we, we've shared a little bit about our own journey too, how, how we, we got addiction to pornography out of our lives. But when you're dealing with this in a marriage, it's different because you have two people involved. It's not just one person. Porn is something that's both of our issues, right? I know that for Kristen and I, we, we came to that realization. So what was the process for you as a married couple to move towards healing? Because, I mean, there's there's aspects and nuance to that, right? Like to rebuild your trust, your intimacy, how to get porn out of your marriage together. What did that look like for you? Like what were some of the things that you had to do as a couple to, to move towards getting porn out of your marriage? Well, at first, so we, we kind of went through different phases along the journey. And uh, like I mentioned before about the accountability software and hardware, so that helped to put guardrails in place. But as far as our relationship was concerned, uh, at first we needed time away from each other, especially Val needing time away from me. So we weren't sleeping in the marital bed together. You know, we were in separate rooms. It felt like longer than I think it actually was. I thought it was like months and months and months, but Val said it was only a couple of weeks, but it felt longer. Horrible for me. It wasn't great for her as well. I'm sure she had mixed feelings. But one of the other things that, that we did, and I have to give credit to Val for this, for putting me onto this, is she sent me to a a contact who was about to start a group, a men's group for, for help in this area against sexual addiction of, of every kind and any kind. And uh, I called that person, I think, within the next, uh, within the first couple of days of, of the confession. I mean, he said, your timing is perfect. I want you to, you know, join up here. We're going to have the books for you, et cetera, et cetera. It so happened it was with uh, Pure Desire and, um, you know, similar amount, I guess, to your restored ministries and what you do. 30-week program. Yeah. And it wasn't some group that you go to for support. It's like, oh, I relapsed again. I looked at porn again. I masturbated again or both. You guys love me, right? Okay. I feel better now. I, I That's not what it's about, right? That's not what it's about. It was about being real and honest, but also being able to receive not just exhortation, but admonishment as well. And to say, you know, you you got to change your brain. Like Paul was right, right? When he wrote, you know, renew your mind and allow allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to change you. And and literally that is what happened. And so so Val's support to not just walk away or, you know, be angry at me for life kind of thing. She was super helpful. She said, look, you know, contact this guy, see what it's like, check it out. And, and if so, you know, go for it. And and so I did, we did, I think, and, you know, you can chime in here if you want, hon. The fact that I was ultra committed to this, this program, that I, my healing, I knew depended on me having some kind of discipline and some kind of rigor in my life and not just pray harder, not just try harder. It doesn't work. At least it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for most guys, I would say. It's, you know, here are some practical things that you need to do. You know, here's your prayer life. Here's your quiet time with God. And here's some introspection you need to do. Specific, they call them pillars uh, in pure desire, specific areas of our lives where we examine the wounds that were, you know, inflicted upon us either by ourselves or by others, especially from when we were younger and we carry those into adulthood or families of origin and all that good stuff that kind of goes into making up our past and what we've experienced and what we're, how we react to things today. So I had buried 
so much of that, so much of the pain, so much of the anguish and the hurt and the wounding. And all I had left for the longest time, decades, really, was how do I self-medicate? I know there's something wrong. I don't know. If, I don't feel quite right. I don't want to explore that too much. How do I self-medicate? I wasn't thinking those exact words, but that's essentially what where my brain was. And I guess that's where my heart was as well. Yeah. And also when, when I felt capable of doing so, we also sought uh, counseling together. So we did see somebody who specializes in pornography mm-hmm. and sexual addictions within the relationship mm-hmm. for couples. So we, we did see a Christian counselor for that for a little bit. And also one thing that we've always had the practice to do is a mm. couple that prays together stays together. Like, honestly, it's that simple. Like every morning we pray. It didn't matter if I didn't want him to touch me, if I didn't want him to even look at me. But we still sat at the yeah. table and wow. we went through our devotion together as robots and mm-hmm. prayed. Every day. <laughs> every Good day. It was it was really hard yeah. at first. Like it was beyond uncomfortable. Yeah. But we didn't not want to do it. No. And we 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 knew that God said you you have to continue. Yeah. You have to continue. Yeah, the vertical relationship for each one of us was critical for mm-hmm. this healing. We each mm-hmm. had to take it up to Christ in each our own areas of brokenness. There's not one sin better than the other. His sin even though we might think, oh, well, yeah, porn is a greater sin than I know. There, there's no level of that. Like, where do you find that in the Bible? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So the Lord pointed that out to me when I felt a little prideful. And he said, uh-uh, I think you need a little bit of humble pie there to come alongside this. So, you know, so it was a teaching and it was a growth. Uh, and when you're obedient to really what he's calling you to do, Wow, it might be tough, but boy, do you ever grow stronger through it. You know, he really brings beauty out of ashes Mm -hmm. because our marriage was dead, completely dead. I had no feelings, didn't love him. And it's like, Lord, how am I going to stay together with a man that I don't even love? Wait, be patient. My timing, not yours. But it's like, but I know for me, I can flick a switch and turn it off. No, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to wait and you're going to be patient and you're going to trust me. Do you trust me is all he kept on saying. Do you trust me? And the answer is yes. So pray. Prayer is the foundation, no matter if you like it or not, no matter if you don't want to be with the same person at the same table in the same room, just pray together. You don't have to touch. You guys are amazing. You guys are inspiring me. <laughs> like, I'm just, I keep thinking as you're talking about Jesus being our first love, like what that practically looks like with Jesus being our first love is that we look to him and we honor him and we love our spouses sometimes not because we love them, but just because we love the Lord, right? And you guys have modeled that so well. And I, I, I'm honestly so inspired. I'm so excited for people to hear your story. And I'm so thankful that you guys went through what you went through and and got to where you are, where now you're impacting families and impacting couples and inspiring people to grow closer to the Lord. So thank you so much for sharing. This has been so good. That's an amazing story. And I I echo what Matt said. And one of the things that we just want to convey to the couples listening, um, if you could share just a little bit about what it's like to be on the other side of this, to have porn out of your marriage, to have that freedom and to know that you have this in your rearview mirror and you're moving towards something else. Just break that down for us. What is that like? It's amazing. It's surprising. 
because our relationship now, I mean, we're still, still a married couple, so we have our ups and downs, but man, I, I've never felt closer to Val. I've never felt more in tune with her. I have more energy because I'm not spending it on trying to hide my addiction. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel more free now. And the fact that we are also helping other couples to get free from this bondage, well, to have the Holy Spirit free them from the bondage, um, actively working in this ministry, bringing it to as many churches as we can in this region, you know, working with you guys as well, which is a great, great blessing. It's, it's energized us and given us, I think, a deeper, fuller, certainly a deeper and fuller relationship with each other, but more so with God and what his plans are for us, the mission that he wants us to go on. And it's, as you know, not an easy one, but despite our, you know, occasional, I don't know if fear is the right word, but perhaps trepidation, and this is going to be difficult. We know he's with us all the way. We know he's on our side and we know he's got great plans for us. And it's gone beyond our marriage together for me has gone beyond anything I ever would have dreamed of, even when we first met. Yeah. And for me, because now I know what was preoccupying him and what he was doing and tracking with him a little bit more closer, I know now his triggers. So I know what he'll go to mm -hmm. if it's a stressful day, you know, there's boredom or whatever is going on. So I'm more alert to those triggers. And when I see them, I can approach them and say, hey, how are you doing? Like just knowing the triggers, because I know now because he doesn't go to porn, he'll go to food or you can go to alcohol or Netflix or, or, Netflix or, or whatever. So as soon as I see those patterns or a new pattern start developing, it's like, OK, so it so alerts me, honey. Is everything okay? What can I do? Can we talk about this? Right. So I can be a greater support and I don't have to be worried about well, what's going on. My goodness. You know, is there something else? No, where I actually can have a full conversation about the truth. Mm -hmm. and that's a real comfort to me, knowing that she's she's walking alongside me and that we're we're in this. Like you said, Rod, and I were, you know, it's a problem for both of us. Satan is attacking the marriage. Satan is trying to get to God through us. It's not just an attack on me and to have her side by side like that. I just, I feel safer because I know that she's got my back and that she's going to help me when, when things start getting dicey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, in the marriage, we're meant to support one another. We're there to complement each other. Right. And that's part of that too, in sickness and in health. Well, just because I didn't like what he did does not mean that it's, you know, I, I can, I should be able to do something else. So. Like, I'm not trying to get back to or at him for what he's done. This is a partnership. We both want to end our lives well here because it's a marathon that we're running, not a, not a sprint. And so we're in it for till, until the end. And every year and every, mo every month that we're in victory together, it just gets better. But that's only thanks to God again. That's only right. he can do that. Amen. <laughs> not me. Thanks, guys. We that is so inspiring to hear. And you know what? Sometimes couples out there they don't know a couple like you exists because they can only see beyond their own problem. They just don't think it's possible to get something like this out of their marriage. But we want to tell you, listening, that it is possible. Al and Val, they're a testament to this. But it takes some difficult choices. But we want to let you know that these choices they're important to make. And even though it's tough, 
it's going to be so much better if you make those decisions to get porn out of your marriage. So thank you, Al. Thank you, Val, for doing this, sharing your story. We hope that it just really impacts people and hopes it impacts you, the listener out there, as it did for us. So thank you, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.